ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so continuing with kun salafian ala al jadda this will be the final lesson we are at the end of the book we were discussing the chapter relating to dawabit yajibu muraatuha binisba lil afrad wal jamaat the principles that must be maintained with regards to individuals and groups or communities and we were speaking about those people who it is obligatory to have respect and honor for those people that must be honored must be respected and from amongst them the head of them was ar-rusul wal anbiya the messengers and the prophets sallallahu wa sallamuhu alayhim ajma'in then after them after the prophets and the messengers we also mentioned the companions as-sahaba ridwanullahi alayhim ajma'in فَلَيْسَ لَهُمْ مِنَ الْأُمَّةِ إِلَّا الْحُبِّ وَالتَّوْقِيرِ So the companions must be loved and they must be respected. And that is the position of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah with regards to them. So we don't speak about any of the affairs that occurred between the companions. Neither do we try to use them as an example to justify our incorrect behavior. To try to say, well the companions did such and such and the companions did such and such. To try to justify something incorrect that a person may be doing. So we don't speak about the companions except in goodness and with love and respect and honor. And that is in accordance to what the Prophet ﷺ stated in the hadith, لا تسبوا أصحابي فوالذي نفسي بيده لو أنفق أحدكم مثل أحد ذهبا ما بلغ مد أحدهم ولا نصيفا متفق عليه. The hadith which is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim where the Prophet ﷺ said that do not abuse my companions, do not curse my companions. Because if one of you was to give by Allah, if one of you was to give like Mount Uhud in gold, then you still wouldn't be equal to a handful or even half a handful of one of the bigger companions. So this shows the level of the companions and their rank and their status. After that also, after the prophets and messengers and after the companions, the people who we also must respect and honor, أَتَّابِعُونَ لَهُمْ بِإِحْسَانٍ مِنَ التَّابِعِينَ الَّذِينَ أَدْرَكُوا صَحَابَةَ رَسُولَ سَلَّمْ وَاهْتَدَوْا بِهَدِيهِمْ مِثْلَ فُقَهَاءِ الْمَدِينَةِ سَبْعَةَ وَمَنْ جَرَى عَلَى مَنْهَجِهِمْ فِي سَائِرِ الْأَمْصَارِ ثُمَّ مَنْ بَعْدَهُمْ مِنْ أَئِمَّةِ الْحَدِيثِ وَالْفِقْهِ وَالتَّفْسِيرِ الَّذِينَ سَلَكُوا مَسْلَكَ صَحَابَةِ وَالتَّابِعِينَ الْكِرَامِ then after them the tabi'een, the tabi'een whether it is those who met the companions some of the tabi'een they met the companions and they followed in their guidance, and they followed in their footsteps. So those companions, or rather those tabi'een from the salaf who followed in the footsteps of the companions, then we honor them and we respect them, like the uh, great scholars from the salaf, from the tabi'een. Uh, also uh, the remainder of those who then followed in their footsteps from the great scholars who came after them, who tread upon their methodology in their aqidah, etc., uh, then we respect and we honor all of those too. And that is in accordance to uh, what the Prophet ﷺ mentioned. لا تزال طائفة من أمتي على الحق ظاهرين لا يضرهم من خذلهم ولا من خالفهم حتى يأتي أمر الله عز وجل. 
Uh, there will not cease to be a group from my nation upon the truth, apparent upon the truth. Nobody will harm them. Nobody will bring any uh, harm to them or any uh, harm or, or something of uh, uh, a harmful nature to them. Or those who betray them or oppose them or deceive them. None of those types of people will be able to harm them. حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ Until the command of Allah comes, the day of judgment, or close to that day. قَالَ شَيْخُ الْإِسْلَامِ بْنُ تَيْمِيَةِ فِي أَمْثَالِ هَؤُلَاءِ شَيْخُ الْإِسْلَامِ بْنُ تَيْمِيَةِ said concerning these types of people who we must honor and praise and respect. وَمَنْ عُلِمَ مِنْهُ الْإِجْتِهَادِ السَّائِغِ فَلَا يَجُوزُ أَنْ يُذْكَرَ عَلَى وَجْهِ الذَّمِّ وَالتَّأْثِيمِ لَهِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفَرَ لَهُ خَطَأَ فَلْيَجِبُ لِمَا فِيهِ مِنَ الْإِيمَانِ وَالتَّقْوَى مُوَالَاتُهُ مَحَبَّتُهُ وَالْقِيَامِ بِمَا أَوْجَبَ اللَّهُ مِنْ حُقُوقِهِ مِنْ فَنَاءٍ وَدُعَاءٍ وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكِ So these types of people, uh, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah says, these great scholars, these great scholars who made ijtihad, and maybe they came to an incorrect conclusion sometimes. Some of the great scholars, they made ijtihad, and maybe they came to an incorrect conclusion at times. If that is the case, then we do not speak about them in terms of them having sinned and upon them being dispraiseworthiness. We don't say that. Rather, Allah has forgiven for them their error. If they were from the great scholars with sincerity, they made their ijtihad in affairs that are permissible to do so. And they may have come to an incorrect conclusion, but that is not something that we dispraise them for and that we say they are sinful for. But rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven them for that. And just like the narration says, that the one who makes the ijtihad and he makes an error, then for him is one reward. And for the one who is correct, then for him is two rewards. So instead it is upon us to have honor for them and love for them, and to side with them, i.e. with the great scholars of the Salaf, the great scholars who came after them, and to praise them and to make dua for them and to ask Allah to forgive them. That is how we behave towards these types of people from Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Then after that, the section that we arrived at, was who are those people that it is permissible to warn against? Who are the people who we are allowed to tell the other people to stay away from? مَنْ يَجُوزُ نَقْدُهُمْ وَتَجْرِيحُهِمْ وَتَحْذِيرِ النَّاسِ مِنْ ضَرَارِهِمْ Who are the people that it is permissible to criticize and to warn against and to warn the people against their evil? Firstly, وَيَجُوزُ بَلْ يَجِبُ الْكَلَامِ فِي أَهْلِ الْبِدَعِ وَتَحْذِيرِ مِنْهُمْ Firstly, we say that no doubt, it is something which is allowed. In fact, it is obligatory to warn against the people of innovation. وَمَنْ بَدَّعَهُمْ أَفْرَادًا وَجَمَاعَاتًا الْمَاضُونَ مِنْهُمْ الْحَاضِرُونَ And uh, from their, uh, وَمِنْ بِدَعِهِمْ And from their innovations. Their innovations, they are warned against them. And their innovations, the people of innovation, that is something obligatory to do. Whether it is individuals or it is groups from the past to the present, you must warn the people against those individuals who have strayed away from the correct methodology of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. They have strayed away onto some other path which is not from the evidences of the Quran and the Sunnah. So they must be warned against and the people must be made alert not to fall into their misunderstandings. So that could be like the Khawarij, the Khawarij, those individuals who made permissible the blood and the wealth of the Muslims, and they go out against them, and they attack them, and they make it permissible to go out against the rulers, and to attack the rulers, etc. Al-Khawarij, the ones who say that a person who commits a major sin, he is in the hellfire forever, all of his iman is gone. 
then these are obviously misguidances. Ar-Rawafid, the Shia, then surely they must be warned against too. The Shia, the Rawafid. There were some at the time of Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. Some of the Shia, some of the sects of the Shia. And they had so much exaggeration in Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu that they began to say that he has some uluhiyah in him. As Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned in Kashf al-Shubuhat. They began to say that Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu has some uluhiyah in him. Has some deification in him, some godship in him. So when Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu became aware of this, and the other companions became aware of that, then they all agreed, consensus, that these individuals who are claiming that Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu has some uluhiyah in him must be killed. They agreed, consensus, that those individuals must be killed because of their exaggerated and completely and utterly misguided belief that Ali ibn Abi Talib is like Allah. That he has some characteristics from the characteristics of Allah. So the companions, they agreed upon consensus to kill them. So it is narrated that Ali ibn Abi Talib, he dug a trench or that he uh, gathered them together and he burnt them. He set them on fire and he killed them. For, for them saying what? For them saying that Ali is like Allah. And that is a clear misguidance to believe that anybody is like Allah or has the characteristics of Allah. It is clear shirk. So the companions agreed upon killing them. Even though some of the companions disagreed about how they should have been killed, some of them disagreed like Ibn Abbas that uh, they should have been burnt. He said rather they should have maybe been killed by the sword. But in any case, the point is they all agreed that the point is they should all be killed. Those individuals should be killed. So these are the Rawafid, the Shia. No doubt they have to be warned against that the people don't fall into their misguidances. Al-Jahmiyyah, Al-Murji'ah, Al-Karramiyyah, all of these different groups who went astray in Aqidah. They went astray when it came to the names and attributes of Allah. They went astray when it came to issues of Iman, when it came to the issues of the decree. Many different factors they went astray in. And if you study the books of Aqidah and the topics of Aqidah, you become aware of all of the different types of areas where these groups, they fell astray from the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Some of them neglected and rejected the names and attributes of Allah. Some of them completely refused to accept the names and attributes of Allah. So these types of people must be warned against so that the people do not fall into their trap. The people do not fall into their misguided aqidah, their misguided belief. They reject some of them. Some of them reject all of the names and attributes of Allah. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said to these people that if they reject all of the names and attributes of Allah, it is as if they are worshipping nothingness. It is as if they have declared Allah or their creator to be nothingness. How is that the case? Because if you say Allah has no names, Allah has no descriptions, Allah has no attributes, and that is nothingness. If I say to you, describe to me nothingness, how do you describe nothing? You can't, nothing is nothing. It has no color, it has no size, it has no length, has no shape, nothing is nothing. But that's what they claimed. They claimed Allah has no names, has no descriptions, has nothing. So Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said to them, it's as if you're worshipping nothingness then. Who is Allah in that case? So these types of people must be warned against. وَيُلْحَقُ بِهِمْ مَنْ يُنَاصِرُهُمْ وَيُدَافِ عَنْهُمْ وَيَذْكُرْ مَحَاسِنَهُمْ وَيُشَيِّدُ بِهَا وَيُشَيِّدُ بِشَخْصِيَاتِهِمْ وَزُعْمَائِهِمْ وَقَدْ يُفَضَّلُ يُفَضَّلُ مَنَاهِجَهُمْ عَلَى مَنْهَجِ أَهْلِ التَّوْحِيدِ وَالسُنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ 
And those individuals, those people who support and aid and defend the people of innovation, they support them, they aid them, they defend them. And those people are to be put with them. They are put alongside those individuals. They are put alongside the people of innovation. The ones who defend them and support them and uh, provide uh, assistance to them. And those types of individuals are associated to the people of innovation. And it is possible those individuals who are supporting and defending the people of innovation, they actually prefer the methodology of innovation over the methodology of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. So the people of innovation, they are the first category whom it is permissible to warn against and to criticize and to disparage. Uh, the second category of people who it is permissible to warn against is الرواد والشهود إذا كانوا مجروحين جاز جرحهم بإجماع المسلمين. The narrators of hadith, the narrators, and also the witnesses. As somebody comes as a witness to something, or somebody comes as a narrator of something, if that person is known to be someone who cannot or does not have the ability to narrate or to be a witness due to certain factors, then that must be made clear. You cannot have a narrator of the hadith coming along and narrating some hadith of the Prophet ﷺ to you, and you simply accept that. You cannot just do that. You must look at these narrators. Is this narrator reliable or not? Is this person who is telling you this hadith, somebody who can be trusted, reliable in his narration of the hadith or not? Also the witnesses, somebody comes to witness over something, then is this person a reliable witness or not? So these affairs must be looked into also, and that is permissible to criticize and to give warnings against if they are not suitable for that job. وَإِنَّ الْمُتَتَبِّعْ لِمَا قَامَ بِهِ أَئِمَّةُ الْإِسْلَامِ فِي نُصْرَةِ هَذَا الدِّينِ وَمِنْ ذَلِكَ الرَّدْعَ عَلَى الْمُبْتَدِعَ يَجِدُ أَنَّ أَئِمَّةُ الْإِسْلَامِ تَكَلَّمُ فِي أَهْلِ الْبِدْعَةِ وَفِي الرَّوَاتِ وَلَمْ يُشِيرُوا إِلَى الْمَوَازِنَ بِينَ الْحَسَنَاتِ وَالسَّيِّئَاتِ So a person who looks into what the scholars have done with regards to their uh, aiding of this religion by warning against the people of innovation and warning against the narrators, then they did that and they did it without mawazana. Meaning when they used to criticize and refute these people, they didn't used to mention their good points. They didn't used to balance it out as some of the people they say now you should do. It wasn't a case of balancing things out. It was a case of warning the people against their evil. And so that's what they did. And they wrote many books in this field of refutations and appraisals uh, in Jarh al And they wrote books in aid of the Sunnah and in refutation of the people of Bid'ah. And they wrote books in fabricated hadith. You know, there used to be people and there used to be narrators who used to fabricate hadith. They used to make up hadith. Hadith that don't even exist. So they refuted them and they wrote all of these hadith down into books they termed, they termed as the books of the fabricated hadith. There are some books that are written purely with fabricated hadith in them. Why? The scholars wrote them so that people would be aware. As soon as they open a book and they read it, they find out, ah, this hadith is fabricated. So next time they hear it, they know it's fabricated. So they collected all these fabricated hadith and they put them into books. So people will be aware what these fabricated hadith are, what these lies are. The famous one of Ibn al-Jawzi, al-Mawdu'at. Kitab al-Mawdu'at, the book of the fabricated hadith. So he put them all together. So people will be aware which are fabricated hadith and they should not be accepted as narrations from the Prophet wasallam. They are lies. وَإِنَّ النَّاظِرِ فِي كُتُبِ أَئِمَّةِ السَّلَفِ يَجِدُ تَحْذِيرٍ مِنَ الْبِدْعِ وَأَهْلِهَا Similarly, if a person looks into the books of the Salaf, he will find that they used to warn against the people of innovation 
and they did not used to mention their good deeds. For example, look at the books of Imam Ahmad and his son Abdullah, and what Imam al-Bukhari wrote in some of his books, and the books of al-Khalal and Ibn Khuzayma. You will find their books are full of tawheed and aqeedah and explaining the correct methodology and warning against the people of innovation and their deviated false methodologies. The Shaykh says, قُلْتُ إِنَّ عُلَمَاءِ السَّلَفِ إِنَّ عُلَمَاءِ السَّلَفِ قَدْ رَدُّوا عَلَى الطَّوَائِفِ الْمُبْتَدِعَةِ فَقَدْ رَدُّوا عَلَى الرَّوَافِضِ وَالْقَدَرِيَّةِ وَالْجَهْمِيَّةِ وَالْمَعْتَزِلَةِ وَالْخَوَارِجِ وَالْمُرْجِئَةِ وَالْأَشَاعِرَةِ وَالْمَاتُرِيدِيَّةِ وَالْسُوفِيَّةِ كما ردوا على رؤوس المبتدعة كالجهم بن صفوان وبشر المريسي وابن المطهر الحلي والرازي وابن عربي وردوا على الآمدي والغزالي والبكري والأخنائي والصبكي وغيرهم The Sheikh mentions a list of names and a list of the groups who the scholars of the Salaf they refuted All of this list you heard then they were refuted by the scholars of the Salaf and those scholars who came after them And the scholars from the Salafis in the current time now, they followed in the footsteps of the Salaf in refuting the people of innovation and refuting the heads of the people of innovation. So they have refuted the Sufis and they have refuted the Hizbi organizations of our time who are, who are opposed to the methodology of the Prophet and they are opposed to the methodology of the Quran and the Sunnah. They have been refuted and the scholars, they have followed in the footsteps of the Salaf in refuting them. ثم إن هؤلاء العلماء السلفيين المعاصرين الذين ردوا على رموز المبتدعة في هذا العصر صاروا على المنهج الصحيح وهو عدم الموازنة بين الحسنات والسيئات. And the scholars in our time who refuted those people of innovation, they tread upon the correct methodology, which is to mention the errors and to criticize them, and not to have to mention the good points and to balance the affair out. Rather, they did it just like the Salaf; they did it without this موازنه. وَمِنْ أَحْسَنِ مَا أُلِّفَ فِي ذَلِكَ And from amongst the best of the books which has been written in that regard is the book of a sheikh Al-Allama Al-Duktur Rabi' bin Hadi Umair Al-Madkhali And that is the book Manhaj Ahl Sunnah Wal Jama'ah Fi Naqd Al-Rijali Wal Kutubi Wal Tawaif The methodology of Ahl Sunnah Wal Jama'ah in refuting men and books and groups in the methodology of refuting and how that is to be done وَقَدْ أَيَّدَ مَنْهَجْ النَّقْدِ الَّذِي ذَكَرَهُ الشَّيْخِ رَبِيعَ أَبْرَزَ عُلَمَاءِ هَذَا الْعَصْرِ And from the great scholars of our time, they have supported what Sheikh Rabia mentioned in this regard of refutations and criticisms. مِنْهُمَ الشَّيْخَ الْعَلَّامَةَ الْإِمَامَ عَبْدَ الْعَزِيزِ إِبْنْ بَازِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ الشَّيْخِ بِنْ بَازِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَالشَّيْخِ مُحَمَّدْ نَاصِرَ الدِّينَ لِلْبَانِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَالشَّيْخِ الْعَلَّامَةَ صَالِحُ الْفَوْزَانِ حَفِظَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى and others besides them so al-Sheikh bin Baz rahimahullah ta'ala he was asked binisba li manhaj ahl sunnah wal jama'ah fi naqd ahl al-bid'ah wa kutubihim hal min al-wajib dhikr mahasinihim wa masawi'ihim faqat am faqat masawi'ihim Sheikh bin Baz was asked when you refute someone do you have to mention their good points as well or can you just mention their evil points the criticisms that you are refuting them for so the Sheikh said al-ma'ruf fi kalami ahl al-ilm naqd al-masawi lit-tahdhir وَبَيَانِ الْأَخْطَاءِ الَّتِي أَخْطَأُوا فِيهَا لِلْتَحْذِيرِ مِنْهَا What is known from the speech of the people of knowledge is that they criticize the errors and warn against them. They criticize these errors that they have erred in these individuals and they warn against them. أَمَّا الطَّيِّبِ مَعْرُوفِ مَقْبُولَ الطَّيِّبِ لَكِنَ الْمَقْصُودَ التَّحْذِيرِ مِنْ أَخْطَائِهِمْ As for the good things, 
Because even the Mubtadi'ah, they're not going to say everything 100% wrong. They will have some good things. The Shaykh says the good things are good things. We're not interested in that. That isn't the point here. The point of refuting and a warning against the Mubtadi'ah isn't their good points. The point is the Bid'ah and the innovation and the errors that they are guiding the people towards. Lakin al-Maqsood, he says the point is at-tahvir min akhtaim. It is to warn against those errors so that the people, they do not fall into the likes of those errors. Uh, so he mentions, mentions Al-Jahmiyyah Wal-Mu'tazila Wal-Rafidha and those who are similar to them. So the Shaykh says, وَإِذَا دَعَتْ الْحَاجَةَ إِلَى بَيَانْ مَا عِنْدَهُ مِنْ حَقِّ يُبَيَّنْ وَإِذَا سَأَلَ سَأَلْ مَاذَا عِنْدَهُ مِنْ الْحَقِّ مَاذَا وَافَقُوا فِيهِ أَهْلِ سُنَّةِ So if a person was to ask you, but these innovators, do they have parts where they agreed to Ahl Sunnah about? Then you can tell them, yes, some of these parts, they were with Ahl Sunnah. They were with Ahl Sunnah in certain areas, but their errors were in this and this and that. And their innovations were in this and this and that. That's what the problem is. So, the person who asks, you can clarify this to him if he asks. But the point of it all is the refutation of the criticisms. The refutation of the criti- uh, and the criticism rather, the refutations and the criticisms of those errors and the falsehood that they are upon so that the people don't lean towards that and they don't fall into those errors. Uh, another person asked Sheikh bin Baz, Unas al-mawazana annaka idha intaqadta mubtadi'an bibid'atihi litahadhira al-nas minhu yajibu an tadhkura hasanatihi hatta la tadhlimuhu hatta la tadhlimuhu hatta la tadhlimuhu some people, they said to Shaykh bin Baz, if you're going to criticize someone, then you must mention their good points too, so that you don't oppress that person. If you only mention the evil points and the criticisms and don't mention his good points, you're oppressing him. It's not justice. The Shaykh said, no. He said, no. La ma huwa bilazim. Ma huwa bilazim. He says, that is not a necessity. It is not a necessity to have to mention their good points, because the point of this is to warn against the errors so people don't fall into the errors. If you start mentioning the good points, then that will cause the people to become confused and some people may actually lean towards them because of some of these good points that you mentioned. So the purpose is to refute them and not the purpose to mention their good points. And similarly, the Shaykh quotes from Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, uh, similar statements. Shaykh says, if you mention their good points, Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, if you mention their good points, it's as if you're calling to them. It's as if you're calling to them then. You're praising them and you're calling towards them if you mention their good points. لا, لا تذكر محاسنهم. Don't mention their good points. أذكر الخطأ الذي هم عليه فقط. Mention the error which they are upon only. لأنه ما هو موكول لك أن تدرس وضعهم. You are not responsible to have to study all of their affairs and to check what they are like and to, uh, to balance out their personality and their good and their bad. That's not your duty. The duty upon the person is to clarify the truth and to clarify what the falsehood is so people don't fall into it. That is what is required. And that is a quote from Shaykh Al-Fawzan. Similarly, Shaykh Al-Albani, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, he rejected this principle of mawazana, of mentioning the good and the bad together. He said, مِنْ أَيْنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّ الْإِنسَانِ إِذَا جَاءَتْ مَنَاصِبًا لَبَيَانْ خَضَعْ مُسْلِمْ إِنْ كَانَ دَاعِيَا أَوْ غَرْ دَاعِيَا لَازَمَ يُعْمَلْ Sheikh Al-Albani said, where have they got this from? That when a person refutes somebody else, then after that, he must also do a lecture mentioning his good points. He said, this is strange. Where have they got this from? 
that you have to mention their good points as well. The point being that when you refute someone, the purpose is to refute their error, refute their bid'ah, refute their innovation, so people don't fall into it. That's the purpose, not the purpose to sit there and mention all their good points and they do this good and they do that good. Then the people may be confused and may even lean towards them. The purpose is to refute the innovation and to refute the error. So people do not fall into that. If a person claims that this is injustice and you should mention their good points despite all of these evidences, then what that would indicate is several affairs. It would indicate tajheel as-salaf. Meaning your ignorance of the salaf. How do you give it there? Uh, ignorance of salaf. Your ignorance of the salaf. Your ignorance of the methodology of the salaf who did not used to do that. If a person comes along now and says that's justice, then in essence what you're saying is that the salaf did not do justice then. The salaf were not doing justice you're claiming. The salaf did not used to mention their good points. So therefore you are now claiming your methodology is better than the methodology of the salaf. That the salaf did injustice and we are going to do justice. And that is nonsense. Rather, we follow the methodology of the Salaf. And also, if you were to mention their good points, you are belittling the methodology of the Salaf. And you are praising the people of innovation. You are praising and raising the people of innovation and belittling the people of uh, Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. You are belittling Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah in their methodology and the Salaf, how they used to do it. And you're praising the people of innovation. So, all of this must be understood that. Uh, a person, when the refutations are done, when criticisms are made, the purpose of them is to warn the people to keep them on the straight methodology so that they don't fall into the errors. The final section then which we'll conclude upon is just to mention when is it allowed to backbite someone? When is it allowed to backbite someone or to speak about someone in a bad manner? There are certain times when it is permissible. Normally it's not allowed. Allah said in the Quran, Would you like to eat the meat of your dead brother? That is the example of somebody who backbites. Would you like to eat the meat of your dead brother? Allah says in the Quran. Clearly not. So backbiting is something which is haram. It is haram. However, there are certain times when it is allowed. When are those times? Al-Imam al-Nawawi, he mentioned that ghiba backbiting is permitted if it is for some Islamic legislated reasoning uh, which cannot be achieved except via mentioning the criticisms or evils of an individual. And there are six times. Awwalan at-tadhallum. That is with regards to oppression. If somebody has oppressed you, Somebody has oppressed you and they have taken your right and you wish to regain your right. So you go to the judge, for example. For example, you go to the judge, you go to the judge, the Muslim judge, and you want to now explain to him what oppression has been done to you. So you've got to speak about this other person and the bad things he's been doing. You've got to speak about him, you've got to say he's a very bad person, he does this, he does that, he stole, he did this, he did that, he oppressed me. You've got to mention all of their bad points. And that's almost as if you are backbiting now. You're going to the judge and you're speaking about this other person behind his back, that he did this and he did that, and I've seen him do this and I've seen him do that, and he oppresses like this and he oppresses like that. 
You're mentioning all these bad points, but there it's permissible. Because it is for the purpose of justice. For the purpose of going there to explain the oppression which has occurred, the wrongdoing which has occurred for the sake of justice. So in that instance, it's allowed when you go to the Muslim judge and you explain what's going on. Also, the second place, what do you say in English for that one? Uh, first one. Hmm. Complaining when wronged. No, wronged. That's the meaning of what we explained. The second one, Al-Isti'ana ala taghir al-munkar wa radd al-'asi ila sawab If you need some help to change some evil and to uh, rectify a sinner and to take him back to the truth. Maybe there is an individual who is oppressing, who is sinning, who is wrongdoing, and you are not able to rectify that individual or to correct that wrongdoing yourself. So you need to go to somebody else and explain to him what such and such is getting up to. So that is backbiting that person, telling this other one that he does this and he does that. But you are doing that for the purpose of getting some help to go and rectify that situation, to rectify that individual. So for that instance, it is also permissible to speak about the ill doings or the wrong doings of that person. Thirdly, al-istifta. If you are seeking a fatwa on something, maybe you are seeking a fatwa on a particular issue. So you need to go to a sheikh or you need to go to a scholar and explain to him in detail certain events that have occurred, certain actions people have done. You may need to go and do that. So that may be a form of backbiting. It may be that you go there and you speak about another individual. He did this and he did that and he did this and he did that. But your purpose behind that is to seek the fatwa. What is the ruling now? What is the Islamic ruling on this situation? He's done this, he's done that, he's done this, he's done that. And you speak about all of the evil things he may have done. But for the purpose of finding out what the Islamic ruling is, what are we supposed to do now? So in that instance again, it can be mentioned. The fourth one, تَحْذِيرَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ مِنَ الشَّرِّ وَنَصِيحَتِهِمْ To warn the Muslims from the evil of that individual uh, and as an advice to the Muslims against the evil of that individual. That is one of the instances also. Fifth, if there is a person who is an open sinner and an open innovator, then of course you can speak about his affair and warn the people against him and make it aware to the people to avoid and to stay away from this individual who in of himself is an open innovator, an open uh, sinner. So that can be spoken about too. The sixth place is if there is a person who is known by a particular description which may be a description that is a bad description you may think for example for example if there was a person with a limp somebody had a limp they were crooked in their leg they couldn't walk properly they had some limp in their leg for example and maybe that person for example his name is uh, Ahmed for example and there are five different brothers called Ahmed so you're sat here talking to someone, you're saying, you know, Ahmed, uh, I'm going to go with him to such and such a place tomorrow. He says, which Ahmed? There's five of them, which one are you talking about? So you say, you know, the Ahmed, Ahmed who comes, Ahmed who comes to the lessons or something. He says, all of the Ahmeds come to the lesson, all five of them. So then you say to him, Ahmed, the one with the limp, the one who limps, the one who's got a limp. There, you're not doing that, you're not saying that as a criticism of him. You're not saying it as a criticism. You're not saying it as a mockery. You're not saying it as a joke against him or to backbite him. You're only saying it purely for the sake of identifying which one you're speaking about. And that is a factor which identifies him. That he's got a limp, the other four haven't. So as soon as you say it's the one with the limp, for example, 
for example, then everybody will know, okay, we know which Ahmad you're talking about now. So there it's for the purpose of identification, not for the purpose of uh, uh, speaking ill of that person or mocking that person or uh, speaking bad about that person, purely for the sake of identification. But that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of what is in the intentions of the people. If an individual says that he is doing it for the sake of identification, but he's using that as an excuse to really mock that person, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alimun bidhati sudur. Allah knows what's in the hearts of the people. Even if you try to justify it with this, if you're doing it for the purpose of mockery, really, Allah knows what's in the hearts. But somebody who does it genuinely for this reason, genuinely to identify someone, because he's known and he is identified by that characteristic, then that's okay and permissible if it is done with that correct intention. So this is uh, what the times are uh, when it is permissible to speak about these individuals. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah says that it is permissible to backbite the innovators with two conditions, knowledge and good intention. Knowledge and good intention. Your purpose to refute them. Your purpose is to refute them and they're ill uh, behavior and their incorrect behavior and their misguidance. So you do that upon knowledge and you do that with good intention. If a person was refuting someone for his own personal gain, then that is not correct. If a person was refuting someone for his own personal revenge, that is not correct. If a person was refuting someone for his own personal uh, praise of the people the people will praise him and raise him and consider him to be a great person because of this refutation if he's doing it for some worldly gain or personal benefit then that is not the purpose of refutations rather it is done sincerely for the sake of Allah to uh, warn against uh, the innovations and the incorrect positions of that individual and just to conclude one or two points the Sheikh mentions is one of the things here is that a person should be careful who you accompany. Make sure your company is with good people. Make sure that your friends and the people you sit with and walk with, they are good practicing Muslims upon the Quran and the Sunnah. Because a person can be affected by who you are with. That's why the Prophet said, Al-Mar'u ma'aman ahab. A person will be with the people who he loves. And similarly, Al-Mar'u ala dini khalilihi. A person will be upon the religion of his friend. So be aware that your company is good company. Don't have company who are not practicing, they are not praying, because you will be affected by them. And that will not be an excuse for you. You can't bring that as an excuse in the end. You're, you had the choice. Leave those people. Be with the people who are practicing. Be with the people who are praying. Because they will affect you and will cause you and help you to be able to be practicing too. So this is the final point that the Shaykh mentions that it is important that a person, he chooses good friends, good companions uh, that you stay with and you are with all the time. You benefit from them, you learn from them and they encourage you and your iman increases because you see them practicing, you begin to practice. So that is how a person should be. Uh, and you be with the people of the sunnah, Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah with the salafiyun. And even though the shaykh concludes by saying that in this time there is much corruption which has occurred because of the statements of the people. They speak so badly about the Salafiyin, etc. And they mention all types of ill speech. But as we have mentioned throughout this book now, the principles of the Salaf, what Salafiyah is, what the definition of that is, who the Salaf are, what their practices are, what their principles are. 
they are the ahl sunnah wal jama'ah. So you stick to them and make them people your company. Make those people who are from ahl sunnah wal jama'ah your company. And you stick with those people, you learn with those people, you sit with those people, you walk with those people. And that is what will benefit you. And no doubt, others, of course you can go give them da'wah and you stay with them to give them da'wah. For example, your family, your relatives. No doubt you do all of that. But this is the uh, book, Kun Salafiyan Al-Jadda. So we've seen the different and various principles within that. And that is the end of the book. Alhamd. We have completed that. And insha'Allah ta'ala, maybe from next week we'll start on a different book that we'll decide on. And then the text messages or the information will be released insha'Allah ta'ala once it's been decided what that new book will be. So we'll conclude upon that point now.